hat. So it's good to see you in a hat today, Julia. Um, well, I'm ready to worship the Lord, and I know you are too, so why don't you stand up and let's just get ready, okay? Um, Holy Spirit, we are so happy to be here today. Lord, we love you. We thank you for all that you have done for us, Jesus. We, we Our hearts are, are full of gratitude today. There is just no day that stands out maybe as much as today, Lord. Without your resurrection, we could not be reconciled to you, Lord. And we are so thankful for, for the punishment that you endured for your passion to reconcile us to yourself, Lord. We celebrate you today, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Amen. 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 Krista is going to help me out on her dad's favorite hymn. And if you like to go to the hymn book, you can go to page 463. But um, our, our folks in the back are going to help us with lyrics, okay? Let's sing Christ Arose. And G. <laughs> Hallelujah, Lord.
mighty deliverance for our drummer, Brian. Hallelujah, Jesus. We miss him. What was buried beneath my shame? Who could carry that kind of weight?
definitely feel like Lazarus a lot of days. I'm like, all that bondage, that is not mine. He set me free, amen? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Let's sing holy, holy, holy. Praise you, Lord. I got my cell phone up here. You know somebody's going to try to call me. Whew. Thanks, spam. Hallelujah, Jesus. <laughs> they call me on Sunday mornings. I'm like, I am worshiping. <laughs> Come on. Let's sing holy, holy, holy. <laughs> Missing our our Brian. It's okay. Holy. Do it. Y'all do it.
all, we worship you, Jesus. We bless you, Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, Lord, we came to worship you today, Jesus. We came to bless your name and lift you up. Hallelujah. What a great and mighty God we serve. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, we worship you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.
been through the fire. We don't even smell like smoke. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. We bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. The sins that easily beset us are gone now. Thank you, Jesus, for the bondages that just fell off. Praise you, Lord. We bless you, Jesus. We bless you, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. I know the preacher today, he said we could sing a little longer. <laughs> so we're just going to keep going. If you need to sit down, that's fine. But if you can't help but stand up, that's fine. If you want to kneel, that's fine. Oh, we love you, Jesus. Like you, Lord. There's no one like you, Jesus. Hallelujah. He knows my name. Come on, man, you sing it with me. He knows my name.
a relationship with us. Oh, what you endured to make that happen, Lord. We worship you, Jesus. Come on out, James. our name. That's a big deal. If you don't know somebody's name, you don't really know who they are, right? But he knows each and every one of our names. He knows you by name. Well, happy Resurrection Sunday. Wow, that's that's a good a good thing to to understand, to celebrate. That's a good hope we have. You know, he rose from the dead. If he hadn't risen and he had just came to earth and lived a, a good life and, and given some good teaching, that would be one thing. If he came to earth gave us some good teaching, and then died, 
That would be something else. But he not only came and lived with us, but he died for our sins. But if he had just died for our sin, that wouldn't have redeemed us. It was only because he rose and he conquered that death. And he paid that, that we are now redeemed. If he had not risen, we would not be redeemed. But you know, when he died on that cross, when he bore those stripes, it says in Isaiah 53, 5, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his, not ours, by his stripes, we're healed. We are healed because of what he paid for us. He not only saved you, he healed you. You're healed. God didn't just plan to save us. He planned to give us divine healing. His healing. That is our birthright as Christians. We are healed. Body, soul, and our spirit is healed. He died for our sins so we can be justified and we receive that salvation. He suffered wounds so that we can be healed from our sickness. He bore those stripes on his back, not just because he liked pain. It wasn't just to go through that motion. It was for a purpose. It was for our healing. In 3 John chapter 1, verse 2, it says, Dear friend, I pray that you prosper in every way and be in good health. Physically, just as you are spiritually. How many need some physical healing today? How many need some financial health today? Some family health today. Some relationship health today. He bore those stripes for your healing. I want you to stand with me today, and we are going to thank Him. Thank Him in advance for our healing. He's already provided it. All we are doing now is re receiving that healing. Our world is full of sickness. We see it every day when we turn on the TV. There's something else going on. We are a sick, sick world, but He has paid for our healing, for our redeeming. Father, in the name of Jesus, you know the health of this congregation. You know the health of these individuals. You know the physical needs that are in each and every one of our lives today. You know what the doctors have said. You know 
how our families are made up. You know the relationships that need some healing today. You know our children or our parents that need restoration. You know our finances, Father. You know the provision that's going that we need today. And I just ask in Jesus' name, on this Resurrection Sunday, that you will resurrect family members, relationships, finances, health. Right now, we claim it based on your word. You bore those stripes for our healing, and I claim it right now. I claim physical healing for these people right now. I claim physical healing for our bodies. No matter what ailment we have, I don't care if it's a, a stubbed toe or a, or a incurable disease, as man would say. You are our health. You restore. You provide. You created us, and you can restore us. And I claim that healing right now for each and every one represented here today. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Well, thank you all for coming today. That was good worship. I did tell the musicians that they can sing a little longer because I don't preach as long as, they, as our pastor. And our pastor is, uh, is away. He's in Texas. They made it there safely. I guess it's a little cooler there than it is here. But they're, they're doing well. They are with family, so we just bless them. We pray that they have a, a time of, of renewal with family there, and, and uh, we just anticipate the, to hear good news coming back. In Jesus' name. Well, let's get, uh, we have, uh, you, you all have your bulletins, so I don't need to necessarily go through them. Just keep an eye on things that are happening this week. We have services tonight. Um, and on, on Wednesday, make sure you are make available for them. Um, Brother Dave is taking those, so you will definitely want to, to be here for that. Um, we have a lot of birthdays and anniversaries, but we also have some visitors with us here today. So if this is your first time, I think we have um, a couple, uh, Jeff, and I didn't get your, uh, Jeff and Pam, thank you so much for taking some time out. Are you just visiting, kind of on vacation? Well, thank you so much. I know you didn't have to be here. You could have been out on a boat or... Uh, well, we're glad, we're glad you're here with us. Welcome them in Jesus' name. And also, um, a Leslie. Do we have a... Is Leslie here with us today? Well, how? Is this mom or aunt or... Oh, yeah, that's, that's right. We've, we've seen her. But thank you for coming back. Thank you for taking some time out of your... Your day, we just thank you for that. Well, let's um, let's go ahead and do our our declaration. I can attest to this. We had some blessings, and I I know it's directly related to our declaration um, that we do every week. So these are not just words we say. This is this is. Um, we're speaking into our situation and taking authority. And so I want to 
We want to do that today. As we receive today's offering, I'm believing the Lord for jobs and better jobs, for raises and bonuses, for benefits, salaries, commissions, for favorable settlements, for estates and inheritances, for interest and income, for rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money and debts paid off, expenses decreased, blessings increased. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all our financial needs that we may have more than enough to give into the kingdom of God and promote the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Come with us to, uh, up to the front and uh, let's give our offering. Thank you so much. Um, I really appreciate um, them stepping up and stepping in and, and helping us out. They are an unsung resource that we just need to be very thankful for. We are so thankful for them. Well, I, I said it already, happy Resurrection Sunday. It's not Easter, it's Resurrection Sunday. Um, he's risen. He is risen. And you know, there's power in those words. We talked just a little bit about that, but words mean things. We have children's church, so I want to make sure that before I get going, we can let the children go. But thank you, not only for the children, but thank you for the workers. They're, they're doing double duty here, so we thank you for them. Oh, and we need to pray for the offering. You see... Second string isn't as good as the first. <laughs> that's, why they, that's why they have backups, but let's pray for the, the offering. I want to pray not only for the offering, but for each and every one of you that have given. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you for your provision. Father, this is 
These are your funds. They have been given to you. And Father, right now, I not only bless these funds, but I bless the hands that have given them. Lord, I just speak into each and every person's life. I speak prosperity. I speak wholeness. I speak speak life into their finances right now, into their situations, that you'll not only use this offering for the church, but that specifically each and every one of these individuals will be blessed today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, did I forget anything else? See, words mean things, and when you get them out of context, they can just mess everything up. But words do mean a, mean a lot. And in Proverbs 18.21, it says that. It says, you know what? Is in death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat the fruit. You know what? Be careful of the words that come out of your mouth. Not only the words that come out of your mouth, but the words that you let come into your ears. Words that are spoken by you and to you, those are powerful and they produce a result. And we've all lived with the consequences of our words. Some of them have been not very good words. Maybe we've spoken over or to someone. They've been negative. They've hurt. Or maybe you've received some of those words that someone has spoken to you negatively and they've affected you. Be careful what you allow someone to speak over you. Don't hold on to the words that are going to be negative to you. Hold on to the words of God and how He has spoken over you. You need to speak faith, His faith, into your situations. Listen to what He says about you, not what others say about you. Proverbs 15.4 says, Kind words bring life. You can be kind to people. Well, thank you, my boy. You know, it's kind of hard when your nine-year-old outdresses uh, you. <laughs> I don't think I'll ever catch him, and uh, he's quite the dapper one. Proverbs twelve eighteen says. There is that speaketh like the piercing of a sword, but the tongue of the wise is health. How many of you seen some some health tongue spoken to you? Did you get a Did you get a sword this week instead of some health? Somebody speak some crushing words to you. They kind of pierced you like a sword, or crushed your spirit the 
blessings and cursings come from your tongue, from your mouth, from your words. But you can decide what you're going to speak over yourself and what you're going to allow people to speak over you. Renew your mind through the Word of God. He has spoken over you. Believe what He says concerning you. Isaiah 43.2 When thou passes through the water, I will be there. When you go through those deep struggles in life, He will be there. Through the rivers, they won't overflow thee. And when thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned. Neither shall the flame even kindle upon thee. Not only is it not going to burn you, it's not even going to start a fire in you. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For he hath made him who knew no sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. You're righteous. You are the righteousness of him because of what you do. Galatians 2.20 I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith, faith of God, and gave himself for me. Those are good words. Those are some words that you can hold to. You can apply to yourself. In, in Psalms 55, David was going through some struggles. He was not in a very good part of his life. He was having people speak negatively to him. He was having people attack him. He was enduring some, some struggles, some overwhelming times. First couple verses of chapter 5, 55, we're not going to read the whole thing, but he, he says, I just wish I could hide. I just, I just want to get away. I want to cover myself. And he's saying, God, have you hidden from me? From me? You're not listening to me? I'm, I, I'm, I'm asking you. I'm crying to you. I'm mourning to you. I'm making intercession to you. You ever done that? You ever been in a position where you don't know what to do and you're just crying out, Lord, what do I do? How do I get through this? On the TV or we got a negative report from the doctor. We just want to get away. We just want to hide. Lord, are you not listening? You're getting weighed down by life's cares. He said, David says in verse 5, Fearfulness and trembling have come upon me. If I had wings, I would fly away and rest. <clears throat> just want to get away. It's not a sin to cry out to God and say, I need some time. I need, to, need some peace. I need some 
quiet. But David didn't stop there, and you don't stop there. Verse 16 and 18, he says, As for me, I will call upon God, and the Lord shall save me. Evening and morning and at noon, I will pray, and he shall hear my voice. He's not hiding. He hears. Past tense there. He hath delivered my soul in peace from the battle that is. You know what? You have a lot of people with you. It may seem lonely. It may seem. Like nobody cares or nobody understands, but you have a lot of people with you. You have a church family, but most importantly, you have a Savior and a healer and a provider. When David wrote the psalm, he was still on the fire, he was still facing those battles. He was still getting beat up, and David found something so much better than a escaping to the wilderness. He found a place Verse 22 it says, Cast thy burden upon the Lord and He shall sustain thee. It is that prayer life. And speak with him morning, night, noon. And he will hear you. And he will sustain you. His peace will come upon Does all in peace. And the battle is against Do you need some peace today? I do. Father, I ask you that you'll touch my lips, touch our ears, and you'll apply your word to our lives today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 55, David, he needed peace, he needed victory. That's what I want to talk to some victory. Okay? This is a this is a good day. This is the best day. Resurrection day. But let's look back at the beginning of the sequence here. It was a night before the crucifixion, and Jesus had gathered his disciples together. They were preparing in that upper room for his meal together and he had taken a towel he had washed their feet and he had told them what was going to happen he he said into the hands of the wicked and he told them he was forewarning them about what was going to happen in john 16 
28, it says, I came forth from the Father. And again, I leave the world and go to the Father. And the disciples responded in the next verse, 29, Lo, thou speakest plainly, and speakest no proverb. Now we are sure that thou knowest all things, and we believe that thou camest forth from God. They understood what he was saying. They knew what he was teaching them. They were letting him know, we got it. We know what you're, you're trying to tell us. And we believe. And they had, by any observation, they had, they, they had faith. They grew up their souls and they believed. They, they knew what was going on. It suggested that the disciples were prepared. They knew what was coming. But what does he say? Do you now believe? Do you really believe when you see me up on that tree tomorrow when it looks like I don't have any power? Do you really believe? He didn't even wait for their answer. He says in 32, he says, Behold, our cometh. <coughs> and now has, and, and yea, and yea, is now come that ye shall be scattered, every man to his own, and shall leave me alone. They believe him. Our testing had come. Our of testing was right after. each other and with him washing their feet and just having such a, a wonderful time just hours later the hour of testing was coming and now the disciples said they were ready but didn't comprehend everything that was ahead of them because in a Peter went from saying to completely denying him three times. All the other disciples left. That's never going to happen. And it is. Before we judge them too hard, can you imagine what you would have been like if you'd been with the teacher? He, he poured into your life. He'd told you things that you'd Listen to him and learn from him. And then you hear, why have you forsaken You'd be thinking, wait a minute. This isn't, this isn't They were still in a position. They were looking for a Messiah that was going to save them and redeem them from a, from a Roman situation. And they were looking at it in a physical world. They weren't looking spiritually into the situation. They were thinking of it in a temporal way. Why, why would he 
such an awful thing to happen. After he promised that he would bring the kingdom to earth, now he's on a tree, helpless. How can he save us if he can't save himself? In the very hour of that loss, we can see a glimpse of our hope for our future. Victory was provided on that cross. You know, Satan doesn't know everything. We might think that he's real smart. Scoundrel, he's a deceiver. He is not all-knowing. And he probably thought the same thing at that time. He probably thought, I got him. Finally. To... I've not only have I been able to kill the Son of God, but I know how to affect his followers. I'm going to give them some struggles in their life. I'm going to overwhelm them with, with struggles. I'm going to take away their health and watch what happens. I'm going to destroy their families and see they flounder. I'm going to take away their finances and see how their faith really happens. Calvary didn't look like a victory. Not to the disciples and not to Satan. He, he thought he won. He thought he figured it out. On Calvary, something was at work. I'm talking about God's mercy through Christ. He never gives up on us. He'll never leave us. never forsake us. He provided a way of escape. Something incredible happened on the cross and happens to each and every one of us when we accept Him into our lives. We receive peace and his mercy in our lives. Romans chapter 8 verse 35 For who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? It's a pretty extensive list. I think he's covered Convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, neither present nor future, nor any power, covering all the bases, all the times, death nor anything else in all of creation. Okay, he's got it all. He's covered it all. Will be able to separate us. That is in. Jesus our Lord. Did he miss anything? Nothing is going to separate you from the love of Christ. Nothing. 
Nothing you're going through today, nothing you're going to go through tomorrow is going to separate you from the love of Christ. The disciples failed, but God had mercy on them as well. His mercy was at work through the Holy Spirit. Yet they ran away. Yet they denied him. Storm passed, and we can see what they came back. They became not only renewed, but they had supernatural ability to move forward and bring the gospel to the world. You don't go from denying him to dying for him without some drastic change. Their houses were shaken, but stood because they had been built on that solid rock. Your lives can be buffeted, storms can come across, can blow them, blow you here and there. As long as your foundation is on the rock, you're gonna make it. Your foundation is in and on the rock. 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. If we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with the other. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Not part, not part of your sin. All of your sin. Not partly, not part of your unrighteousness. All of your unrighteousness. You are redeemed from all of those things. We as Christians need to really understand that He rose from the dead so we can be redeemed. Take hold of that truth. Claim it in your lives. Whether you're going through a victorious time in your life, whether you're going through a struggle, a difficulty in your life, His truth is the same. He has redeemed you. I have to tell you that if you're on a mountain today, it doesn't mean you're not going to be in the valley tomorrow. Turmoil is part of what we, of this life. In those uncertain days, it matters what your foundation is based on. Christ's forgiveness is crucial. Many of us who have grown up either in the church or have been saved for a long time, we've, we've gone through this, these waves. We've been on the high part, we've been on the low part, and you know, we've grown over those times. We've struggled through those times and we those testings have come but it always seems like there's a another test that shakes us even more we s somehow have a short-term memory don't re remember our last deliverance when we're in our new struggle in those times when we're overwhelmed 
every time it seems to be the worst and even hotter than the last time. And we are shaken and our, our faith is is buffeted. Charles Finney expressed it in one of his sermons. He said, the first thing that many of us ask is, what have I done? Did I, did I fail God? Did I do something? We've even, I was reading a letter from a dear sister. It says, it seems that trials will not cease, not even for a season. I don't know whether it's the chasing of the Lord. I wondered if my family's troubles are due to my life before I was saved. I've always wondered that. I've, I've asked God over and over if this is the case because I just don't know. Sometimes I, I feel that it would, that it is because of this that they are punished. Sometimes I feel that if it is, then my punishment is more than I can bear it. I would rather be punished myself than have my family members go through this suffering. I love the Lord, and I'm not going to turn away from Him. He is my life, but recently I've I felt that it'd be better that if I were never even born. That's that's a tragic position to be in as a, as a Christian. Paul writes in Romans chapter three, verse twenty-four, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation or sanctification, appeasement through faith in his blood for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of the patience of God. Your sins are in the past. Leave them there. Stop bringing them up. Stop arguing with yourself. Stop beating yourself up for, for what you did in the past. That's not why things are happening to you today. Your past is your past. And leave it there. You're redeemed. You're, you're saved from that. You're forgiven from that. Leave it alone. Through in Jesus shed blood. All things, are past. your sins are covered and they're all in the past. We are clean in the eyes of God. Not because we're worthy, but because of His unmerited, unmerited favor that He's provided for us. All guilt and fear and condemnation are lifted pasts have been chained and cleared and they're wiped away. Leave them there. God doesn't hold your sins against you. You shouldn't either. He's not holding you to those past sins. If you've asked forgiveness, He's forgiven you. He reconciled you. The Lord's made prayer for this reconciliation when you weren't even here 
He saved you. He paid for your sins before you were born. On that cross, He paid for sins that you hadn't even committed yet. He paid for those sins that you're going to commit. He redeemed those sins before you were born. You know what? He paid for healing that you need before you need it. That a sinner, how much more does he love you after you've accepted his gift? He loved you when you were a sinner. You didn't deserve it. And he died for you. Romans 5, verse 8, God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. You are saved from wrath. Can you say amen? You are saved from wrath through him. For if we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his love. He rose from the dead. He conquered sin. Saved you before you even asked for it. He redeemed you. Romans 8 1. There is therefore now little condemnation, some condemnation, no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. If you're in Christ Jesus, you don't have any condemnation. You don't have any reason to doubt. You don't have any reason to fear. You don't have any reason to blame yourself. You're not condemned because He paid for your sin. Sin lost all of its power at the cross. He conquered sin at the cross. Yes, unfortunately, we live in a world that is not perfect. And there are consequences for things that happen. And, and yes, we're chastened by the Lord, but it's as a child and a parent. It's not a, he's not mad at you and he's not beating you up and he's not making you do something because he's angry with you. God doesn't chasten his children in anger. He's not mad at you. Hebrews 12, 6. For whom the Lord loveth, 
he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. He received you as his son. So his chastening is not because he's mad at you. It's because you're his child. You're his son. You're his daughter. God dealt with you as a son. For what son is he whom the Father chases not? When you're going through some chasing, be thankful. You hear what I said? Going through some hard times, be thankful because your father is there with you. He might be chasing you, but it's not because he's angry with you. It's because you're part of his family. You're never more loved when you're chastened and you're corrected by your father. You parents know that. You don't discipline your kids because you don't love them. You're not. You might be mad at them, but you're not angry with them. You're there because you love them. You're correcting them for their good. The entire process of chastening has everything to do with God's love for you. It's all meant to take you into the knowledge and glory of Himself. If you don't remember anything today, just remember Jesus is not mad at you not mad at you because he died for you on the cross he has victory on the cross and you are at peace with God at the cross mercy and peace took on a face a human face Jesus Christ throughout history whenever a child of God had fully trusted in the cleansing healing power of Christ's blood peace has been promised to them you have peace with him because of what Christ did for you. All you have to do is receive that peace. Apply that peace. Claim that peace in your lives. John 20. I'm going to read John 20, verse 10 verses. I want you to listen real carefully with, you, with me. Now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early when it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, Does anybody know who the disciple that Jesus loved was? Right. John is writing, so he didn't want to say his own name. He was kind of saying, Hey, I'm the one that Jesus loved. He loves us all, but I would probably say the same thing if I wrote that. So Peter went with the other disciple, and they went, and they were going to the tomb. Both of them were running together. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. So John was faster than Peter. Maybe Peter was in as good a shape or something, but John, and faster and got there first. And John stooped in and he saw the linen clothes, laying, linen clothes lying there. But he didn't go in. He just looked in and he saw the clothes. And Simon Peter came 
following him, and he went into the tomb, and he saw the enclosed lying there, and the face cloth which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen clothes, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in and saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their home. An interesting scripture. There's a couple things in there I want us to, to point want to point out. So Mary Magdalene goes there first and she sees a tomb. The stones rolled away and it's empty. So she Scared, nervous, whatever. She runs, she goes back and gets Peter and John and says, it's empty, the tomb is empty. And so Peter and, and John, they didn't just walk, they ran. They were all, this was, this was serious. They were all in a state of, I don't know, panic, but they were, they were hustling. So they take off running the tomb. And John gets there first, and he looks in and he says, Yeah, just like she said, it's empty. He took him. Nope, nothing in here. And he maybe turns, he's probably feeling as frustrated as, as Mary at that point. He's thinking, Now what? But Peter gets there, and John, he just stooped and looked and saw the clothes there. He didn't go in, but Peter, he goes in, and he looks and he sees that the clothes are there, but he notices something else. He notices that there's a covering for his the face, and it's not not there with the other clothes. It's folded and lying on the side. Now, why did John tell us that? What's so... Why didn't he just say that the clothes were lying there? Why does he go and specifically mention the face covering? And that all part of the linen he's wrapped up and he's got this face cloth? Why does he make a point Talk about the face covering. Is it significant? It is significant because in Hebrew culture, it has everything to do with master and servant. When a servant is preparing a meal for the master. He sets up the table. He does everything in its place so that when the master is eating, he has things where they should be. So when he's at the dinner table, he, he knows where things are. And he knows that the servant knows 
that if the master is there and he takes his napkin and he, you know, wipes his mouth and his hands and beard or whatever, he knows that if he takes that napkin and he, he puts it down on the table, the servant knows that the master's finished and he can clear the table. He's done. He's finished. But if the servant sees that the master and he puts it down, he knows He knows that master is coming back. Our master is done. Our master is coming back. He has done. He has risen. He is coming again. Family in the past for our current family. He's coming back for our future. And we have that. He has risen He's not done. He's coming back. And Peter knew that. Every Hebrew boy knew that. When they saw that napkin, he knew that. But you know what? John didn't go in. John, didn't, he just looked at the situation and he said, yep, it's a mess. Jesus is gone. The linens are there. He didn't see the picture. But Peter did. Peter went in and noticed what Jesus had done. That's what I want you to hear today. Your situation could be a mess. Clothes can be strewn. The, the tomb is empty. Your hope is gone. But look, the napkin folded. He's not done. He's not done with you. He's not done with me. He's coming again. And you have hope today. He rose from the dead, but he didn't leave us alone. We can have confidence in him. And when John came in and noticed what Peter showed him, what did he do? It says, and he saw and believed. Once he saw what Peter showed him, he said, look at the napkin, John. He said, ah, now I believe. I believe. Look at promises. What's happening in your world, in a world that may be dangerous, and fearful. True peace maybe look like it's a lose an illusion when it comes to restoring peace. Those 
that are fearful want to remind us of how thankful we can be that we have the peace of God to depend on. It's sincere. It's adequate. It's helpful. And it's going to keep you in perfect peace when everything around us is the opposite. When we don't have peace. When we are not sure of our next step. When people have spoken negatively to you or over you, told you things that aren't true. They may, they may be factual, but they're not true. The doctor may see something that is a fact, but that's not Our trust is not in Washington. Our trust is not in what the doctors speak over us. Our trust is not in our money. Our trust is not even in ourselves. Our trust is in the Lord Jesus Christ and in Him alone. Only He can bring peace to this world and to our troubled hearts. We're not going to get it on the news. We're not going to get peace by turning on a newspaper or reading it. Paul's words on the subject are meant for every believer yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Every believer needs to apply these words to their walk. Colossians 3.15 let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Don't just listen to the peace. Let it rule in your hearts. To the way also ye are called in one body. And be ye thankful. Be thankful today. Let the peace of God rule your heart. When your heart is broken, when it is destroyed, when you don't know what to do, let the peace of God rule in your heart. This is your hope in your battles, that the peace of your heart is ruled by the promises of God. Second Thessalonians 3.16 Now, the Lord of peace Himself by all means. So the Lord's peace, He's a peaceful God. He is a Lord of peace. And in Romans 15, 13, the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. He's our Lord of peace, and he's our God of hope. Do you need some hope today? Do you need some peace today? I got good news. He is risen from the dead. He has conquered hell and the grave, and he is our 
Lord of peace and our God of hope. Yes, we're going to go through our struggles. Yes, we're going to go through our trials. He's our Father, and He's going to be with you every step of the way. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you. I thank you for sending your Son to live in this world with us, to die on a cross, to be put into a tomb. But Father, I thank you. I thank you that you rose from the grave. You conquered the grave. You conquered sin so that I can be made free. That I can be redeemed because of what you did on the cross. You rose from that grave and you told me. You showed me. You gave me a sign that you're going to come back and redeem us all to yourself. I thank you, Father, for the demonstration of your love for each and every one of us. I ask now that you be with us today. You be with us this week as we go through our struggles when we are buffeted this week with trial. Thank you that you're right next to us and you're going to see us through. When those people speak negative words to us. I claim your promise. I claim your stripes for our healing. In Jesus' name, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and present you before his glory, his presence without fault, without fault, and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. Have a wonderful week. Have a wonderful Resurrection Sunday celebration. Make sure you're here with us tonight at 6.30 tomorrow and Wednesday. We love you. We bless you. Have a wonderful day. In Jesus' name. Amen.